It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're looking at a double-digit amount of new starters for Auburn in 2023. Here's why you should be excited about it. Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining me as he does every single Monday, Lindsey Crosby, writer at AuburnDaily.com, also the host of Locked On MLB Prospects. And Lindsey, we're looking at double-digit starters, potentially... Uh, just on the offensive side of the football plus special teams, just because we're thinking five new offensive linemen. We're not discussing the offensive line in this. That has been well-documented, but just at receiver, at running back, and special teams, a lot of interesting, interesting new potential starters there. Let's start with the receivers. The receiving rotation, Lindsay, it's going to change overnight, and I think it will be more explosive day one under Hugh Freeze. Some of that I think has to do with scheme, Lindsay. Some of that I think will have to do with improved quarterback play and setting guys up to succeed. But let's call a spade a spade here, Lindsay. Some guys that have been in the program for a long time that have been really solid Auburn Tigers, solid leaders, solid at blocking on the perimeter, uh, they're gone. They're gone. Shedrick Jackson uh, leaving opens up a ton of opportunity for the offense to bring in players that can add a more explosive element to the offense. And, and I think that's a huge part of this when you talk about a more complex way of rotating players in at wide receiver, Lindsay. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to make a huge jump day one in the Hugh Freeze era. Yes. Some of the guys that you mentioned that have moved on, like you said, Shedrick Jackson, John Samuel Schenker, uh, guys that had a high floor, Right, they gave you competent play. They got they got they understood their assignments. They were able to do the things sure. like blocking, but the ceiling on those guys was kind of limited. This is a you had a note in the rundown which I love. Uh, you gave over a thousand snaps combined to, to Shedrick Jackson and John Samuel Schenker in 2022, and you got a grand total of one touchdown. One out touchdown. Of that. Yep. And and it's something where when you have struggles in recruiting, you miss sometimes, you end up having multiple years of those high floor, low ceiling guys. They will get you a winning record. They will not get you a championship. And Hugh Freeze is has is going to have a rotation that is on potential and looking at the ceiling more so than the floor. You're going to see guys who can get downfield, who can get open. You're going to see more dynamic tight ends. Uh, and it's something where you have to have that top-end performance if you want to compete for championships. And Hugh Freeze's focus, obviously, is we don't just want to be above 500 in the SEC. The expectation is we're going to compete for championships. And it feels like, win it. Right. like this is part of doing that. Yep, that's right. All right, so Shedrick Jackson leaving. He was fifth among offensive players. When you look at snap counts this past year, Killian Zaire had 813. Ooh, Brandon Council had 748. Thank you for your service, sir. Yep, both of those guys are gone. Robbie Ashford, 681. John Samuel Shankers, a very unlucky 666. One more play, Jackson with 525. Yeah, you mentioned those two guys over, really over 1,100 
um, and just one scoring toss to either of them in uh, in 2022. And so you look at the potential guys that could come in and take advantage of these 500-plus snaps that Shedrick Jackson now allows you to fill, Lindsay. And it's easy to talk yourself in to a lot of these guys. Cam Brown had 227 snaps a year ago. Can he see a big jump in participation and production? I think everybody agrees the answer to that is and should be yes. Coy Moore uh, was actually right behind Chedrick Jackson at 524 snaps. Does he get more of those? Or is it other guys that kind of rotate into where Shedrick Jackson would be getting those snaps since Coy Moore was already on the field a lot anyway? But regardless, I think whoever you put on the field with a guy like Coy Moore, the defense is going to have to pay more attention. Because, look, I mean, if you're a if you're a defensive coordinator, you're not spending any extra time focusing on some of these guys that we saw leave. You're spending more time focusing on Javaris Johnson, who got plenty of snaps last year, 356, but he kind of battled some injury stuff. Or a Coy Moore. You're spending way more time focusing on them than these guys that just had a hard time consistently creating space in this offense. Malcolm Johnson Jr. just had 108. I think he battled some stuff um, as well. Jay Fair, I think he's going to be more of a slot guy, but we'll certainly have to see. He only played 68 snaps. So, I mean, there's a lot of argument for the upside of a ton of dudes that can help fill these 500-plus snaps that Shedrick Jackson now leaves open. In a frustrating note, Jay Fair got so few snaps. He played in 10 games. And it's it's like, I don't... You play a guy for an average of seven snaps a game. It doesn't, it almost kind of doesn't make sense to me. It's just, he must have been on special teams, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm guessing. It's just a little pedantic thing. I'm like, you know, it's, you're going to play a guy, like 68 snaps is maybe two full games worth for a wide receiver, for a starting wide receiver. And instead, yeah. you dribble him out over 10. Obviously, he can't redshirt. I'm hoping it was special teams. I haven't looked into this. That's, that's on me. Uh, I think one of the big things, and we don't talk about this a lot because, We've had bigger problems with this roster and this offense. But a lot of the offensive talent, the skill position players on this team outside of the running back room have never really scared you. Like, if you were an op- opposing yeah. defensive coordinator, like you mentioned, I've, I've not been worried about... I was not worried about Shedrick Jackson at all. I probably, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I probably don't know what his number is. It's just, he's got a guy in there, let's cover him. Uh, I feel like Cam Brown is going to have to get a little more attention potential wise. There's so many things that I think he can do with proper blocking with a good scheme. I feel like he has the potential to be one of those guys you have to pay attention to uh, from a defensive perspective, where he lines up and what he's doing. Uh, Nick Mardner, the transfer. I don't know if he's one of those threats, but I do see him as a for year one. He's a higher floor guy who could have a higher ceiling than the high floor guys you had. It's just, I think we're going to need to work on down the road. We fix the big issues here. You fix the offensive line in year one. You're still thinking we're going to get a quarterback, but I think going forward, you're going to have to find offensive weapons that teams are legitimately afraid of and have to devote extra attention to. Cause right now in that wide receiver room, I mean, Cam Brown, maybe you have something in there that says, Hey, don't let, Either one of the of the Johnson fellas get get behind you deep. Right. Other than that, you don't have to pay any special attention to any of these guys, and I think that's ultimately going to keep the ceiling down for Auburn's passing offense. Yeah, and look, I like Amari Kelly. I like Tavares Dawson. I, I just don't know 
how many of the guys, like you said, if you're a safety and you're in charge of, you know, setting the communication throughout, uh, throughout the defense is kind of saying, Hey, this guy's over here. Keep an eye on him outside of Camden Brown on this Auburn offense. Who are you doing that? Maybe Malcolm Johnson jr. Just because he's so dang fast, mm -hmm. but reportedly, <laughs> reportedly Shedrick was super fast. And so like, we just didn't ever really never really saw that. Um, was he actually was super fast or was it something where he bet somebody to an arm wrestling match? And if he won, they had to say he was super fast because the man was, ripped. he's got the Bo Jackson jeans. You can see it in the arms. No, he he's, was, uh, yeah. I mean, the guy was jacked he was physically. Massive. I mean, there's, there, there's certain things there and you know, he did stuff that I, I mean, he was a decent blocker and all that, but how much is Hugh going to care about that? I'm sure he's going to care about blocking on the perimeter just because you have to, but still just. Is that going to be enough for like, would he have played as much on, on other SEC rosters? I don't Hugh, think so. I don't think he would have. Hugh Freeze feels to me like the guy that's not going to have uh, blocking skills on the perimeter be one of the differentiators between which of these guys gets to start. No, he wants to score points. Yeah. I mean, blocking is, is like for Gus Malzahn and then for the previous folks, it was like, yes, we want somebody who's a good blocker on the outside because we're going to run the ball a ton who freezes like who can get me the most touchdowns who can get open and get catch the ball and get to the end zone that's that's the focus and again that's raising the ceiling you're focusing on how do you win football games score more points than the other team we've got blockers who can help our quarterback have time to deliver the ball we're going to pick the guys to play out wide that can get open and score those touchdowns it's yeah, a and, different and, focus and, and please understand we're not saying that it's not important I just think Hugh Freeze is going to value guys that can create space on their own versus, you know, stealing the outside edge, you know, 20 yards downfield. And mm -hmm. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But um, I just don't think that's jeopardizing your offense for. Um, we'll see. The running back room, it is deeper than it was a year ago. And it could be perhaps Hugh Freeze's best running back room that he's ever gotten the chance to coach. We'll discuss that in just a moment right here. Unlocked on Auburn, as a small business owner or a hiring manager, you need to check out our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. It's the best place to post your job, and you could do it for free right now. Just go to linkedin.com slash college. LinkedIn Jobs helps you attract quality candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They've got 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified Candidates. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors in the space. LinkedIn jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free. LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. That is LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Today's show also brought to you by our friends at Alumni Hall. Alumni Hall is the best place to buy all of your sports swag whether it's football jerseys basketball jerseys baseball gear hats sunglasses drinkware whatever it is they have you covered in three great in-person stores in auburn opelika and huntsville and also online at alumnihall.com they offer great quick shipping um if you just aren't in a situation where you can go and do that but look a, a lot of out-of-towners they're like, man, I wish I could buy more Auburn gear. Where should I buy more Auburn gear? The answer is simple. It is alumnihall.com. Be sure to check them out. And thank you so much to Alumni Hall for partnering with 
Locked on Auburn. Lindsay, looking at this running back room, it could be the best running back room that Hugh Freeze has ever had. He's had successful offenses at Ole Miss, mm-hmm. successful offenses at Liberty, but like the running back upside hasn't been what I think Auburn has on the roster this year. In fact, Jarquez Hunter, who will be a new starter in 2022, could be the best running back that Hugh Freeze has ever gone to coach. Now, I think that's saying something. Yeah, I'm going to argue that Jarquez Hunter is technically a new starter, but you so rarely just have one guy who dominates the carries. Right. I mean, he had 330 snaps last year. And so he was he was very much more of a 1B to Tank Bigsby's 1A. For, for, for comparison, Tank played 498 snaps. So yeah. 498 to 329, just for folks to kind of know what the reference point is there. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's very much a 1B, 1B, uh, 1A, 1B situation. So sure. he's officially going to be the starter as in he will be out there on the first play. But to me, he's been a starter now for at least a season. And I think that experience is going to help. Yeah. because he's going to be able, he's going to be the guy in that room who can do all the little things. If you think about the rest of that room, you have Brian Batie, who is very talented, did a lot of great stuff in a lesser conference, but physically South Florida. Maybe, yep. Yeah, South Florida, but physically maybe which is not actually in South Florida, it is in Tampa and then half of the state is south of University of South Florida. Anyway, um it's it's annoying because Central Florida UCF is in Orlando and like 50, like 40 or 50 miles farther north than USF. You have UCF, you have USF and then half of the state. It just put USF in Miami or something. Anyway, so like Brian Batiste is going to give you experience, right? I but love that that bothers you. It's just it's so dumb. As a person who grew up in Florida, like it's stupid. It's it so drives dumb. me crazy when it's like a name and a like ball state like that's not a state it's just not ball is life not a state anyway keep going yeah um i love the the directional michigans like there's so many of them and when they play each other it's just the directional michigan bowl anyway that's right um okay so like brian Batie, back back where we were yep. there squirrel uh, little undersized and so i i worry about the ability to do like pass protection and things like that with him and then outside of him you have Damari Alston, who barely saw the field last year. Uh, you have some some walk-ons, Justin Jones, Luke Rebels. You have a good size in Sean Jackson, but a guy who's mostly been special teams. And then you're going to have um, Cobb, who is brand new as of the fall to college football. And so Jarquez and, Hunter... And a goat. Oh, yeah, he's fantastic. So Jarquez Hunter gives you a lot of... Uh, the intangibles, the the pass protection ability, things like that that you're going to need. Uh, and so I think Jarquez Hunter is going to spend a lot of time on the field. Even if he's not the like the target of this play, he's going to be on there a lot for pass protection. He's going to be on there a lot uh, for pass receptions, things like that. And he will play quite a bit. I think you'll I think it's more likely you'll see two running backs than you will see them just taking Jarquez off for a whole drive. So we saw a similar split to Tank and Jarquez last year at Liberty, uh, which is obviously where Hugh Freeze was. Shedro Lewis played 431 snaps, but he did that in 12 games. Mm-hmm. And then Day Hunter played 346 snaps in nine games. So you kind of wonder if they both played the full 12, what that split 
would look like. But also, you know, I, I don't know Shedro Lewis and Day Hunter. Their PFF scores are pretty close. Yeah. Um, I think last year, like, obviously Tank and Jarquez were pretty – they were pretty close as far as production rating. But, now, like, if you look at Hunter versus Austin, their production rating wasn't, like, close. Yeah. But also, like, the sample size isn't even comparable. So – and then with with Hunter and Lewis, they got almost the exact same number of carries, 130 for Hunter as 122 for Lewis. This is the Liberty Hunter, not our Hunter. Mm, sure. Uh, but their Liberty's Hunter got 6.6 yards a carry versus Lewis's 4.3. And so it's so pretty similar. It's like it's, you know, more than two yards better for their Hunter, but same number of carries. It's something where it kind of feels like if Hunter was healthy for 12 games, would Lewis have been up there? How would that split have worked out? But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a scenario where Hugh obviously likes to play two guys. Who do you think is the second guy in this room as we walk into spring? Cause to me, it feels like it's probably going to be Brian Batie just simply based yeah. off the experience. I think it's Batie as well right now. And I've got a record before, like, I hope this isn't the case, but Damari Austin's in a weird spot right now. And, you know, I said this either last week or the week before, and a lot of people put in the YouTube comments, well, you're redshirt Cobb. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if you can redshirt uh, Jeremiah Cobb, but I, I certainly get where you're coming from because Damari Austin's a good running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he's really, really good. And so the the assumption that Batia is going to be the third down back. And you mentioned this a little bit a second ago about, you know, pass protection and things like that. I don't know. I don't know how much sense that actually makes. Like he's really good in space and, and, and all of that stuff, which is what you want in the third down back. But I think Jarquez Hunter fits the bill of a third down back more than Brian Batia does because of the pass protection aspect of it. I almost think you could say the same with, with Jeremiah Cobb coming in. Maybe that's his role as a freshman outside of the return game. We'll touch on that in a second. And even Damari Austin, you know, with his size, could he do that? Um, yeah. Brian as far Bat- as carries, I'm sorry, Liz, but as far as carries, yeah, I think Batiste is second on the team right now in carries. I think Batiste second, but to me, it feels like he's not a traditional number two. Like, you just don't take Hunter off and put Batiste in and run the exact same plays. To me, it feels like Batiste, you do a little more, you, pro- you probably don't run him in, between the tackles nearly as much as Hunter. You probably try to manufacture uh, getting him the ball out wide and in space on screen plays, things like that, and give him a chance to to use his yeah. elusiveness and use the, the the small stature in his favor, get lost in a group of guys. And But he's not, out. and so many people, and I, and I did this when we first got him, comparing him to like Sean Shivers or an Ontario McCaleb. I did that. But, but he's not. I think it was Ferg that pointed this out in the Auburn Observer newsletter. Like, he's not as fast as them. And I don't know what that means as far as how you use them, but I do think that's something we all should be aware of. Yeah, he's not. It's a, he's in a really. Once again, Lindsay, I'm sorry. This is not me saying that he is slow. He's just not as fast as two of the faster players that Auburn's ever had. That's, that's all I'm saying. He's in a really interesting spot where size wise, he's not your typical you know, three down back who can carry the load for you. But speed-wise, he's not that blazing fast uh, perimeter, you know, uh, fly sweep kind of guy. Yeah. And so I trust this coaching staff to figure out the best way to use him. Obviously, totally. we, we feel good about these guys. But as far as what the specific role is, like if he, if Hunter, God forbid, goes down and misses significant time, 
I don't know if you have Brian Batie as your starting running back getting 25 carries a game in a traditional manner like you would Jarquez Hunter. He did it mm. at USF. I don't know if you do that in the SEC or if you use a different body, somebody like a 209-pound Demari Alston or someone else in that you. role, you know? I got you. I got you. All right, we're going to do it. You guys ask for it every now and then. We're going to talk about the kicking game. Just a moment, right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories? Then you have to try Built Bar. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, they're covered 100% in all real chocolate. That is right. Real chocolate, not fake chocolate. Real chocolate. And they come in unbelievably delicious flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, Coconut almond. Don't know how built does it, but all these things, they have like 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, just a few grams of sugar. I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable. So you can still go to built.com and you got a little bit wider of a selection. It's shipped very quickly right to your door. But also, you can find them in Walmart. You can find them in your local Sam's Club. Um, if you just can't wait and if you just need to load up on built bars, uh, our friends at Walmart and Sam's Club have you there as well or of course built.com it's Kubota orange day shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors zero turn mowers and utility vehicles including the number one selling compact tractor in the usa and now through june 30 get zero percent apr for 84 months or up to 3300 off select compact tractors see the details at kubotaorangedays.com your family your land and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Lindsey Crosby, Anders Carlson leaving and getting a combine invite. It is the end of the Carlson era at Auburn. Seems like it was time. So now enter Alex McPherson. He was the best kicker in his class. Certainly shows a lot of upside and very, very exciting stuff there. Yes, Lindsey. Neither of our children have known a world where a Carlson was not the kicker at Auburn. Ooh, I wonder if I should. Yeah, I mean, we need to prep our children before the season starts. I, I need my daughter. She's seven. I need her to know, like, there's not going to be a Carlson. There's no bookstore yeah. nicknames anymore. They're yeah, gone. You got you to gotta sit down with her and be like, okay, there's going to be somebody that comes kick the football for Auburn. It's going to be a little different. Honey, things change. You going to be okay? People get older. Right? They move on. They don't always stay in your life. Yep. The Carlsons have left. They have gone to be professional football players. You'll still see them. They, you will see them on Sundays. Probably just Daniel. Andres has a chance. You, you'll see one of them. At you'll least at least one of them on Sundays. Yes. At least one, maybe two. Um, they have a sibling who's a girl. I don't think we're going to get her. Anyway. Um, but Alex McPherson, speaking of people who kick on Sundays. That's right. Part of the legacy of the McPherson kicking family. Auburn right. does not want you for a kicker unless you are a dynasty. Mm -hmm. The McPherson dynasty lives on in the SEC. His older brother kicks for the Bengals now, was a Florida. Um, but yeah, so I, I think the upside of what McPherson brings is solid. The kid's got, I mean, his highlight field goal tape was stupid, which is dumb that we're even like talking about that, but it's just so ridiculous. Like, see, like, I, I remember I wrote a story once where like he almost made it was I think it was like a 68 yarder 
that he almost made. And like the coach asked him to do it at the end of the game. It looked ridiculous, but like it was pretty close. So that's uh, one of those. He probably makes it in practice because you have to kick a little higher yeah. to get up over the line in a game. But like the NFL record, I'm pretty sure is like 68 yards or 67 yards. So probably right. Yeah. Shout out this kid for even having the leg to it, to, to make that attempt a possibility. I've seen high school games where anything over 35 yards, they were, they were not, they were going for it. So. Yeah, the, the Hail Mary is more likely to happen than, than that. Yeah, so um, so that's exciting. As far as the return game, yes. Any other new starters as far as special teams go, people who kick the ball, things like that, Zach? We're going to see some new returners. Is that where you want to go next? No, 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 no. no there's a, the, before you get to the return, you have to get the ball back to the guy who's kicking it, right? We have a new long snapper. Okay. If we're doing, if we're doing this, we're doing this, okay? All right. The Jacob Quattlebaum era has ended. And I know there's a lot of people, I've said it in the Discord, they are concerned about this. They are bothered. They do not right. like that Lindsay no longer has his Quattle buddy. But let me tell you, okay. Jacob Quattlebaum has moved on. Right. Folks, we are on to Kyle Vaccarella. Let me tell you about Kyle Vaccarella, okay? In high school, he was the number two long snapper in the country. Wow. He had Fairfield, Connecticut. He's from Connecticut. He had offers, full rides, to other Power 5 programs. Michigan wanted him. Uh, Penn State wanted him. He comes to Auburn, and he sits in 2021 and in 2022 behind Jacob Quattlebaum. And now, Kyle Vaccarelli. Learn from the best. Kyle Vaccarelli finally takes over, and this is the season, 2023, is the season that Auburn finally gets a Patrick Manley Award winner. Kyle Vaccarella will win the award for best long snapper in college football. You heard it here first and probably nowhere else, but Kyle Vaccarella, it is the era of Kyle Vaccarella. Thank All you right. for sharing that insight. Yes. Kick returns. We that. have new, we have new kick returns. We, we do. We do. We saw Jarquez Hunter handle a lot of kick returns um, as well as his Alan Warsham. That's not happening. I, I just, I can't see, I can't see Hunter being asked to do that in his yeah. new role as like the lead back. I just can't see that. Um, and then like Keontae Scott returned a bunch and I, we may see that, but he's so important out on defense. I don't know. I don't know if we'll necessarily see that, but we might, I do think Brian Batty is a lock for potentially kick and punt return, but definitely kick return. I would think he was a 2021 consensus all American at kick returner. I think he's a lock. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's probably part of the reason, you know, like, okay, can you do this at the, at the SEC level? And then I see Jeremiah Cobb in that role, too, especially with, like, how do we use this kid? How do we keep him happy? How do we put him on the field? I think kick return could be a be a, uh, a shoe-in opportunity for him to see the field early. I've always liked running backs when it came to punt returns because I felt like that that was the best way to use a guy that had good speed and vision. Because you get the ball and every player on the field is in front of you. Kick return, pretty much the same way. And so I've always liked using one of your backup running backs, a faster guy, on your kick and punt return team. Now, obviously not all of them are good at it. Sure. But Damari Alston, his skill set that he has feels like it's pretty well suited to be one of the options uh, like at, at kick returner and at punt returner. I don't know. I don't know how many punt returns Brian Batiste did. I know obviously he was the primary kick returner. I don't know how many punt returns he did. I think it may have been something where when he became the primary rusher, maybe they took that away from him. I just don't quite know that. But 
I do think that those two running backs are probably your best bets as far as a uh, one effectiveness in the role, but then two, God forbid something were to happen. You don't lose a, a starting like a, a starter from your offensive unit. Like you would if Keontae Scott got hurt or if Jarquez Hunter got hurt, you'd lose a starter from offense or defense. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. I would want backups there. Let's see. Punt returns. I don't know if he did. He doesn't have any grades for punt returning. So let's say he just did kick returns. On his USF stats, which USF is in Central Florida, on his USF stats, he has kick return stuff for 2021 and 22. He does not have punt return listings for 21 and 22. And so I don't believe he did. I think he just was doing kick returns. And that makes me, again, that makes me think maybe it's a workload thing. You know, maybe it's something where they didn't want him to be the starter and do kicks and do punts. That's a lot. Yeah, Maybe sure. just take kickoffs and then obviously be the primary ball carrier, you know, carry the ball. Uh, I think he had 280 carries over his career, including 176 in 2022. Maybe that's part of it. There is nothing I would want to do on this world less than return punts. Uh, I think the only thing I'd want to do less would be to like jump in a volcano. Like I was going to say, try to go to a school that likes to say that it is in South Florida, even though it is in central Florida. Major identity crisis going on there. Yes. It's just, I mean, just lean into who you are. That's right. Um, Central Florida West. That's who you are. Or sorry, East. So no, no, West. I was right. Central Florida West. That, that, that's who you are. UCF East, UCF West. Lindsay, how can people find you and hear you, buddy? I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Uh, all my Auburn baseball content, auburndaily.com. Season starts this Friday against Indiana. Woo. Very excited about that. Uh, as well as the podcast, Locked on Locked on Movie Prospects. Available wherever you get your podcast. And on YouTube and the merch, aushirts.com. Different order this time when I got it wrong there. Hey, that's okay. You can find all my written work at auburndaily.com as well. And join the Locked On Auburn Discord. All you have to do is click the link in the episode description down below. We'll see you tomorrow. This has been Locked On Auburn. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.